2: Guys, it's Rick Tittle. <laughs>
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports as we get set on another big, big week. Yeah, that's what I said, a big, big week. 1-800-878-PLAY. Get on in and get heard. 1-800-878-7529. Rick Tittle coming to you from the echo chamber. Echo, echo.
4: The hills are alive with the sound of you. All right.
3: Uh, Big show. When is it not? Monday. We'll get it started. We got three comedians today. Rick, I thought this was a sports talk show. Kind of. It's kind of a sports talk show. Three comedians. We have comedian Gaspari Randanza from Staten Island. Gaspari is from Staten Island. He's a teacher. He is going to be at Helium Buffalo. Very excited to bring him in. Also, we'll have documentarian Samantha Wishman. Wishman, the genie. And also her good buddy, Christina Thomas, their documentary, Free Puppies. you got to love the name of that. There was a pretty good punk band when I was growing up called Free Beer. <laughs> yeah, it's a good name to put on the uh, billboard there. Comedian Ben Glebe will join us, talk about his new special called The Mad King. We'll also check in with J.D. Sharp, Major League Baseball. And then we'll bring in comedian Sarah Tolamosh. Um, and uh, I love Sarah uh, she and her husband Joe List great comedic team up but she'll be doing her Lady Journey podcast at Helium St. Louis with um, our old buddy we've had in here many times Nikki Glazer. and then we'll close out this show with uh, Joey Mullen the three time Stanley Cup winner and Hockey Hall of Famer who of course now is coaching in three ice we are coast-to-coast, coast, we are border-to-border, border, and we are around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Great to have you with us. If you are in uniform, doing a great job, stay safe, come home soon, proud of you. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app. We're at sportsbyline.com, streaming along. Get emails, send those to rick at com And CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network channel two,
5: And at Rick Tuttle on Twitter. Come on back. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer.
6: Come on, you watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes. Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you. With the power to collect taxes by any means they want to. Hey, they can freeze your bank account, your passport, even padlock your business. Oh, <laughs> Good times. Look, if the IRS claims you owe them 5000 or more in back taxes and they're coming after you, don't panic. Call my friends at Get a Tax Lawyer First. Their job is to negotiate with the IRS and save you money. They're experts at it. That's all they do. And you can trust them. In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 if you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 732
0: 9635 That's 800-732-9635.
7: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month?
3: Hey, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, syndicated out of San Francisco, around the world on American Forces Radio Network. Great to start off the show with comedian Gaspar Rendazzo. He is at Helium Buffalo. And uh, Gaspar, do you disappoint your Nona by not saying Gaspare?
10: You know, it's so funny because I do actually say it right by saying Gaspare, but nobody ever does. And I'm from Brooklyn, New York, so you would think more people would get it right, but people say Gaspare. Casper, Jasper, Uh, so I just have, I've resorted to just saying Gasper, because when I say Gaspare, I feel like people think it's like very pompous, and like, (laughs) I have like my finger up while I drink tea, I don't know.
3: Oh, it's a great name, anyway, your path, your path to comedy is such a unique one, if you could just, just share us a little bit, because you kind of, you kind of found yourself a comedian almost by accident, didn't you?
10: Yeah. So I'm a teacher. I'm a New York city public school teacher and I've been teaching for 11 years now and I always wanted to do comedy and I always thought it was interesting, but I was one time, but I never did it. And then one time I was on the set of a movie, I was like an extra, it was like a horrible movie. It was like right to VHS. And this is like when DVDs were around. So Mm. it, uh, it was uh, I was on this set and they were like, "Wow, you're pretty funny." Like, would you ever consider doing stand-up? So, I was like, "Okay, I guess." So, a guy said on the set, he's like, "Oh, we actually run an uh like run an open mic and all this stuff." And I went down and I did it and there was a booker in the audience and he was like, "Hey, do you want to do more shows?" And it just kind of snowballed from there, which has been really cool. And I've I've always done like stuff about my wife, stuff about my kids, but this whole teacher comedy thing I didn't realize how many teachers there were and how people love making fun of us. And I'm right there for it.
3: <laughs> now, how did Ellen get involved in all this?
10: So so every year I dress up like Abe Lincoln for my students and I throw Abe Lincoln a birthday party. So like starting in about November, I start growing my beard out. Now I'm like the five foot five version of Abe Lincoln. So I start growing my beard in November. And I let it grow all the way to February. Then I shave the mustache and it's a long beard. And I actually kind of look like him and I get the hat, you know, I I do everything and I come into work and I throw him this big party every year and the kids go crazy for it. They love it. I give out like 1865 candy, which is just stale candy. That was in my grandma's house. (laughs)
4: Like,
10: you know, those, those fruit, (laughs) you know, the the fruit, it just looks like a strawberry. I don't know what it is. No one does. No one knows where you actually could buy those. They just are in your grandma's purse. (laughs) And um, so I give those to the kids. And and I've been doing that for a while. And, you know, it just kind of was circulating on social media that, like, oh, this crazy little guy dresses up like Abe Lincoln every year. And then uh, Ellen had a, um, like, a President's Day trivia event. And they called me and asked me if I wanted to be on it. Meanwhile, when they called, it came up Caller Unknown. So I wasn't even going to pick up because I figured it was a scam. And then I'm changing my daughter and I, I got my son's naked running around, just got out of the shower. and My daughter just went to the bathroom. I'm like, I pick up the phone and they're like, hi, this is so-and-so from the Ellen. Show." I was like, all right, bye, kids. I just walked right out of the room. I was like, good <laughs> luck in there. And uh, yeah, and it was pretty cool. And this was like in the height of COVID. So they were like, oh, we're going to do a virtual. And like they could hear my kids screaming in the background. I'm like, no, 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 I'll fly to L.A. They're like, no, it's virtual. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. I was like, I'll just come to LA. I'll do it in the parking lot of the studio. They're like, no, like, stay home. I'm like, please take me. Take me (laughs) away from this loud house. So, but yeah, that's that's how I got involved with the Ellen stuff.
3: So how many times have people said, look, you got to give up? The teaching thing—you gotta, you know, start going to the cellar and the strip and Gotham every night. You got to start hitting the road hard because you're doing oh, the road. It constantly. it is Buffalo, but but have you ever thought about giving it up?
10: So first off, well, I just want to say Buffalo is awesome. I was there opening for someone a few months ago, and you guys are a interesting town. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but from a you know from a sports fan standpoint, which I know everyone in Buffalo is and I am too, it's amazing. Because I'm a Jet fan. Zach Wilson could walk down the street and most people wouldn't even know who he was. But in Buffalo, like you guys know backup offensive linemen, and that to me is very impressive. So I'm a fan of Buffalo. But, um, yeah, I mean, people constantly are telling me, like, oh, you could get so much bigger if you did this, if you gave up this. And, And the thing is, like, a lot of opportunities are now presenting themselves, but I really it's hard. I have two kids, a mortgage, uh, two cars to pay for, you know? So unless it's guaranteed money, I have a pension with, you know, I'm in New York city in a good union. I got a pen, you know, it's hard. It's, it's definitely hard to walk away, but I never say never. If the opportunity was there and it was right, I would walk away. But, you know, in this current juncture of life, thankfully we are off for two and a half months over the summer and, I'm off on weekends and other things, so I've you know, kind of been planning everything around that.
3: So, how do you in the summer? Did you hit the road hard, or did you just try to keep it local? as and I know Buffalo's not yeah. super local, but a short flight. Well,
10: no, I mean Buffalo's still a plane ride for me. Um right. I've been yeah, I mean I've been doing, uh, you know, I've been doing. So I was in Cleveland in the beginning of the summer, and I was in Philadelphia. I was in. Uh, I guess Buffalo in the end of June. Um, so yeah, so I've been, and then just New York local stuff, a few spots in Jersey, you know, it is like, so it is definitely hard because my wife also runs a business. So we, you know, and we have two kids, so we're kind of always juggling, you know, who, who's doing what this week. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get on the road as much as I can, but this week I have, uh, I'm at Caroline's on Wednesday, which is in New York City, huge comedy yeah. club and yeah. then i'm on Thursday I'm in Buffalo on Sunday, I'm at Philly on the next Friday. I'm in the Poconos, so this is kind of like my little tour of the next few weeks. so before school starts, I'm trying to get all these little back to school shows in
3: what about you know you you get a call that you know, Rogan wants to do his podcast. Uh, do you, like, get a substitute and fly right out to Austin?
10: Oh, yeah. There's no question. I don't even <laughs> get the substitute. I don't, I don't even tell him. I just leave. They, um Yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. Like, right now, like, so I'm going to Dallas for um, a teacher's conference in October. And I'm going to Rhode Island in October. And it kind of sucks because I'm going to have to just tell my school, like, hey, I'm going to be out <laughs> You know, and start the fake cough on Monday, and by Wednesday, really hammer it home, and then be out for two weeks, two days. So, but this is, you know, this is something I want to do. I've always wanted to do it, you know, but I just never really knew how. And now things are finally starting to happen, which is cool. And definitely, uh, you know, I'm very grateful. Like, I I just never would have thought that this teacher comedy market would have been so big and so, <laughs> you know, but you got to think of it like every, you know, just think about it. I always think like New York city alone is a hundred thousand school staff workers, hundred thousand, oh. just New York city, you know, cause we have a yeah. million and a half kids in our school system. So you got to think like every year all around the country, there's millions of new teachers starting every year and they're all looking for something and it's relatable and, You know, it's not that I just talk about teacher stuff, because the thing is I don't – I talk about teacher stuff, but I also know that teachers bring their husbands to shows and random people come with them. So I don't want it to just be an hour straight of me saying, oh, you know, lesson plans. Oh, am I right? Because that's not funny to everybody. So (laughs) I kind of talk about my experiences working in New York City with a rough population of students. So even if you're not a teacher, you could still appreciate, you know, someone trying to fist fight me and what that scene would look like. Cause even if you're not a teacher, you get it. You understand you've been in school in your lifetime.
3: Yeah. Great stuff from Gaspar and Check him out at helium Buffalo. Gaspar, good stuff, man. And uh, let's catch up down the road.
10: Yes. Thank you. So that's Thursday night helium. Thank you so much.
3: There it is. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on sports byline USA.
11: Love
0: pricing information 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 that's 800-915-9654 do you love driving but you don't love your car payment open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as a hundred dollars a month or more it's easy to refinance your car payment just call today to get your no obligation quote and find out how much you can save to qualify for a lower car payment your car should be less than 10 years old have less than 125,000 miles and you've made at least six on-time payments call open road lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing
7: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure now to be welcomed by filmmakers Samantha Wishman and Christina Thomas. They have put together a brand new documentary, which is already out in New York City. will be opening in Los Angeles on August 19th. It's called Free Puppies, the true story of rescue dogs. Samantha, let's start with you. How did this all come together, this project, this film?
13: Um, so my family adopted a dog um, from over this website called Pet Finder, which is like like a dating website for dogs. So you put in what you want and you get all these results. You swipe through. We found a dog that we thought was perfect. Um, he was... Living in Mississippi at the time, he'd been rescued and was being fostered there, and he came up on this transport truck to um, Connecticut, where my mom was living, and there were 80 dogs on that truck. This woman, Debbie, had been driving it. She said she came every weekend and that there were more of her and that um, you know, it, millions of dogs had made this journey um, north to, to be adopted um, or go to shelters up here. Um, so I just became fascinated with this huge movement and did more research um, and thought it would make a good documentary. Because people were really curious and people really didn't know uh, what was going on. And I thought it would be a worthwhile story to tell because I think the more awareness uh, we can raise about the what's the underlying issues that lead to this rescue dog crisis, the more we can actually address them.
3: It's very interesting. And Christina... What is it about the South that it seems like there's more dogs down there than quote-unquote up here?
14: Um, So in certain areas in the South, mainly rural areas, there's just kind of a lack of access to the resources that we see in different areas in the North, um, like affordable spay and neuter. In addition, the warmer climate, um, we talked to Karen from the ASPCA in our film, and she said that in the north, a dog could just perish in the winter, whereas in the south, you have these longer climate seasons. So there are a bunch of uh, different reasons why. Um, those being the
8: two of
13: them.
3: So Samantha, tell us about Billy Hollydale.
13: <laughs> she um, my she's my rescue dog. I actually got her um, eight years ago now, um, and. She was my, the first dog that I had rescued, and she was the reason that when my mom said she was thinking about going to a breeder to get a dog, that I convinced her to instead adopt, and that was what led us to finding Stuart uh, on Pet Finder, from, Stuart from Mississippi. So, Billy is um, has been with me. She's my, my little size. She's 10 pounds, so I can, I can take her around with me. Um, so, we're inseparable. Very good
3: friends. And Christina, I have to ask now about Harvey and Rufus.
14: Oh, of course. Um, so Harvey, I got, uh, right after I graduated from college and I didn't really know a lot about rescue at the time. And so I found Harvey online and I had moved to Los Angeles and every time I walked in, people were like, oh, is that a rescue? And I was really embarrassed to say that it wasn't. And, um, I started to do more research, and Rufus is a rescue dog that was found on the side of a highway in Los Angeles. Um, So the two of them together, they're my, like Sam said, Mm -hmm. we're inseparable, and um, I always say, what do we do to deserve dogs? They are just the absolute best, and you can't replace that love that they give you.
3: Very interesting. And the other thing too, Samantha, is not just that the South and the rural South that, as you say, very politically, you know, they don't have the resources, which is true. But what about, like, especially in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast, Hurricane Katrina and all those pets that got stranded?
13: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they prepare for hurricane season. All the shelters are connected. They are... um you know, the network that they have in place uh, because they are dealing with, you know, so much just extreme weather um, is just goes to show really also just how much of rescue is this collaboration that just goes so deep from, you know, tiny towns that have like a shelter that will have two or three dogs, you know, there's a funnel that will take those dogs, you know, through Atlanta. Uh, to cities that have more, more adopters, more resources. But the connections that have been made really as a result of dealing with these hurricanes and tornadoes and, other, um, and flooding um, has just made a very extensive, collaborative, and supportive network really across the country. So that has been um, incredible to see. But on the other hand, this is something that even when it's not hurricane season that they're dealing with really on a daily basis, Um, as a result of other factors as well.
3: And Christina, you and Samantha are both Ivy Leaguers, you're both filmmakers, and you both directed, produced, and edited this thing. So how did you guys come together as a team, and what were some of the challenges that you guys didn't get cabin fever and start strangling each other?
14: (laughs) So Sam and I met in college, and uh, we had one experience working together. Sam had wrote a short film called The Pitch, And I actually played Sam in the film. Um, So that was kind of our first little film that we did together. Um, And then when she brought me on to this, I was extremely excited. And we have a great friendship um, and working relationship. So there weren't like too many times of wanting to strangle each other, at least that I know of. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it was like a really enjoyable experience. And for it to be our first documentary, I think um, I just, I couldn't ask for anything better.
13: Yeah, we had such a good time, and the women and the people we met filming, um, and the people we worked with as well, we had some great uh, cinematographers, and um, you know, this, our, the whole crew um, really was so, it was a wonderful, really loved producing it, it was a really fun time, um, obviously there are a lot of dark things, but just the, the people who we were following, the rescuers, were so positive and warm and inspiring to us, so we were very lucky to be able to, to follow them and tell their story.
3: Well, Samantha, that's the other thing. You know, it's important to, to spay and neuter. Bob Barker, we know all that, but it's, it's beyond heartbreaking when you see a perfectly good, loving dog put down. How did you try to stop those euthanasia on all these dogs?
13: Well, yeah, it is heartbreaking, and it's something that unfortunately happens far too often. Um, the first time that we went to... I feel shelter. I mean, your impulse is to, we, we started writing to all of our friends and family that we knew to pictures of these dogs and, you know, you you want to just do whatever you can personally. Um, and one thing that the rescuers kept telling us is that you really have to be kind of very pragmatic in how you approach these really, you know, almost really overwhelming and heartbreaking um, challenges and you know their their advice was you support you foster you encourage people to foster that really opens up uh, it opens up a huge number of, like that that multiplies what shelters can handle it means that more dogs will get out more dogs will get adopted the big focus on accessible affordable spay neuter um, that if you want to really solve this problem you're going to have to. Make it affordable and accessible in places that aren't able to access it right now, which is just, you know, one dog will have one litter, will have each of those dogs will have a litter. Like it, it they multiply very quickly, um, and it can become overwhelming for communities really um, fast if they're they're not being proactive. So as much as you can get ahead of the problem and uh, stop it from happening in the first place, so you're not trying to play catch up every time. Um, is really what they're focused on but they make so many tough decisions um every day um and they have to be um they have to be really tough in in making those decisions so it is really hard work which is why we admire it so much
3: well it's a brand new documentary from first run features it's called free puppies the true story of rescue dogs as i mentioned it opened in new york city it's going to be opening on the 19th in los angeles and then it will be Ah, uh, coming to more theaters, and I'm sure streaming uh, as well. We've been speaking to the uh, two people behind this entire project, Samantha Wishman and Christina Thomas. Hey, you two, congratulations on ah uh, on the uh, the film, and uh, let's catch up on your next one.
15: Thank, Thank you so much,.
3: No problem at all. Yeah, you know you think about um, uh, you know i've I've been to some of these uh, shelters. With friends and uh, you just walk in and the dogs like, you know, they throw themselves against the screen trying to get adopted. It's hard, but like where I live in the hood, you all know, where I live, there are so many pit bulls or pit mixes and a lot of them you just can't trust those suckers they mean well they really really mean well but they just can't help but take a bite out of crime if you know what i mean (laughs) and anyway free puppies who doesn't like a movie called free puppies very well named i'm rick we'll take a quick break and we will come back on the other side with some open lines at 1-800-878-play get on in and get heard.
5: in der Pfalz, ich lieb dich nun mal, jeden Berg, jedes Tag, Heimatland, du mein schönes Pfälzerland.
11: Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
0: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 709 4409 That's 800-709-4409.
8: Remember in the beginning when you first started to build a life for you and your family.
2: And I just wanted to say that I'm a great fan of your work. Well, thank you I, very I, much. For don't that. interrupt me, please. Thank you. <laughs> what did I just
16: say?
7: You must be crazy. Use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: Goodness gracious. All right. um, I am free and clear for the next hour. Our next guest is at 1040, and then I'm going to have guests the rest of the way. So it's a good chunk. If you want to get in and get heard, like I said, a big chunk, 1-800-878-PLAY. On the 10th anniversary, that's right, the 10th anniversary of MLB's last perfect game, there were, and that was King Felix on August 15th, 2012. There were 10 games since then that shoulda, woulda, coulda been the 24th perfect game. And last night, Tampa Bay Rays starting pitcher, Drew Rasmussen was so close. He was through eight innings and uh, 24 up, 24 down, three outs to go. He hadn't even gotten to 80 pitches. And then Jorge Mateo, former A's and Yankees farmhand, ripped a double down the left field line and uh, that was that. And the Rays would go on to win uh, four to one. But, As I said, King Felix, 10 years ago today, 27 up, 27 down. That was the 23rd, and 10 years on, we haven't had any. And the drought isn't really a big mystery because it's incredibly difficult to throw a perfect game, and that's why it's so celebrated. But there was once a drought of more than 13 years. That was 1968 to 81 But in 2010, we only had to wait three weeks in between them. And (laughs) if you think about guys like Dallas Braden and Philip Umber and some of these other guys, Mark Burley is like, what's going on? So if you look at some of the ones that got close, one of them was this season, and that was Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw was making his debut in April. He, of course, hurt his elbow in the playoffs that knocked him out. But he was 21 up, 21 down, and then got removed. And that's, this, that's one of those things that kills me. It's like you have a perfect game through seven. No, oh, he's reached his pitch count. <clears throat> I don't care if your arm falls off. I don't care if your career ends. You have to have a shot at that. Unless you're at 160 pitches, then maybe I would say that. But last year, John Means, remember that one for the Orioles? You know, this is the thing about a perfect game. It is a team stat. You can't have any errors. You can't. You can have a no-hitter with errors galore, with walks, with hit-by pitches, with catcher's interference, all that. But no, a perfect game, the guy cannot reach base. And so with one out in the bottom of the third last year, mean struck out Sam Haggerty of the Mariners, but uh, Pedro Severino, his catcher, wasn't able to control the pitch. And it went down as a wild pitch, and Haggerty got to first. He was caught stealing, and he was – 27 up, 27 down, except it wasn't because a guy got on because of a wild pitch. Yeah, so he did get the no-hitter. He faced the minimum, but he did not get a perfect game. Last year, Carlos Rodon threw a no-hitter, and this is a really nice illustration of just how difficult it is over the course of nine innings because with one out in the ninth when he was with the White Sox, he barely hit the front edge of Roberto Perez of the Cleveland Indians at the time. And then Radone got the next two batters, and that was it. That was the only thing he did was he barely hit the toe of a guy. And that was on an 0-2 count, so it was a pitch that got away. That cost him the perfect game. <clears throat> Mike Leak. I always remember Mike Leak because he didn't go to the minors. I believe he was Arizona State right to the bigs. Very rare. And he played parts of 10 years. He made almost 300 starts. He won over 100 games. It was a, it was a decent career, Mike Leak. He made money, and you could say, did you have a good career? And he can say yes. He also only had one career shutout, Heading into his last year in the bigs in the Mariners three years ago, and he went 24 up, 24 down, and those were uh, guys like against the Angels, Mike Trout, Shohei Ohtani was a rookie at the time. He took his perfect game into the ninth. There was a grounder to the right side. Luis renhifo went over and couldn't deal with it. <laughs> and then that was it and then he gave up a walk <clears throat> but still 10 to nothing with a one hitter um you know you could look at the that same year the tampa bay rays and i i have a great disdain for combined jobs i you mean know, people say it's still a no hitter i i listen the officials say that combined combined perfect games count. So the Rays in 2019, Ryan Stanek opened things up. Remember, they were the opener. That's what the team that kind of revolutionized the opener. Handed the keys after two innings to Ryan Yarbrough. Yarbrough himself was perfect for six, and it was a perfect game going to the ninth, and then Hanser Alberto of the Orioles led off with a single. So four pitchers and a one-hitter. Jorge Lopez, the year before that. And I think he's best known these days for being the all-star closer, the wild card contending Orioles traded just before the deadline at the time. But back in September 2018, he was a big league starter with Kansas City. And he was coming into a game in September of 2018 with an ERA over six. 24 up, 24 down, going to the ninth against the Twins. And he started off the night waxing, waxing, waxing poetic, walking Max Kepler, born in Germany, and then he gave up a single to Robbie Grossman, so he didn't even get a no-hitter. Rich Hill, five years ago, he said he was not upset about being removed. He was 24 up and 24 down and got removed. He said that uh, he was okay with it, <clears throat> and uh, which is uh, very weird uh, with the Dodgers uh, at the time. Max Scherzer, going back to 2015, you know, Max Scherzer might be in the Hall of Fame someday. And he he has flirted with no hitters and even perfect games several times. He has 22 starts with at least eight innings of three or fewer hits, for example. And he has thrown two no-hitters. So if you think about guys who got close, it's no surprise to see him on a list of guys who got close. But his last start of the 2015 regular season, he threw a no-hitter, and the only base runner that got on was via an error. That's why I said it is a team stat. And that same year, on June 20th, It was 26 Pirates up, 26 Pirates down with the Nationals. He was 2-2 on Jose Tabata. 2-2 with Jose Tabata. Pitch came inside. Tabata threw his elbow armor down onto it. He got the no-hitter. But to me, that's one of the weakest ways ever you're going to break up a perfect game. I know you're trying to get on. It was six to nothing in the top of the ninth, but you throw your elbow armor down there. <clears throat> uh, you Petit, the rubber arm, the giant, the A. Pick your team. Uh, only a few starts in his career, but Petit. uh, took a perfect game into the ninth inning. He was spotted a uh, three-run lead. And so the coast was clear. And uh, this was when he was with the Giants. And he had to deal with uh, Eric Chavez as a pinch hitter for Patrick Corbin, who was the Diamondbacks starter. There were no relievers used in this game. It was a true through-back game. Petit would get two strikes on Chavez and then go to a full count. And then he had a line drive single. And I just remember Hunter Pence doing everything he could to lay out for that one. Petit would get a ground out on the next hitter. And he had a, no hit, he had a, a one hitter. So close. I remember that one around here. Hugh Darvish. This is nine years ago. In his first start, in his second season, took the hill for Texas against Houston, against that horrible Astros team that lost 107 games the year before, and in that year would lose 111, and Darvish dominated. And he was one out away from a perfect game. And Marwin Gonzalez sent one right back through the wickets, and had Darvish reacted just a split second faster, he could have stabbed it. But it wasn't to be. And Darvish has two complete games uh in his career and one shutout and so that was the closest he ever came to a no-hitter and was just a few inches away from perfection but for me the one i remember the most is when i was working at sports channel in the very early days is 1990 and the mariners had a guy named Brian Holman who came in the Mark uh Langston trade they traded Mark Langston to the Expos for a guy named Brian Holman um and another guy named Randy Johnson. <clears throat> yeah, the Expos traded Randy Johnson. At the time, though, Mark Langston was one of the best pitchers in baseball. <clears throat> anyway, Brian Holman had a perfect game going against the A's with, this is, I say, 1990. I was just talking about the last 10 years. Bottom of the ninth at the Coliseum. And I was sick to my stomach. I was uh, working um, on the, in the studio, technical directing. And... The suits were in there like, this is going to be so great. We're going to have a perfect game. It never happens. Oh, my gosh. We're going to promo this. And I'm like, this is horrible. This is happening against the A's. And they go, no, no, no. This is great. It's baseball history. But I don't care about baseball history. I didn't want my team to get perfect gamed. And so Ken Phelps, of all people, be spectacled, step to the dish, boneyard. Perfect game gone. No hitter gone. Shut out. Gone, all in one swing, and I was jumping up and down, and everybody was going, oh, no. <laughs> I don't want my team. Remember Tampa Bay got perfect, gamed, is that a is that a term, what, or no hit? always seems like it's the Rays that get no hit. And then, of course, I remember at the Coliseum, Nolan Ryan threw a no hitter, Willie Randolph struck out, and I ripped up my ticket, and everyone gave him a standing ovation. You know why? Because they're more magnanimous. I'm too petty. It's all about me. It's all about my team. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and we will come on back on Sports Byline.
7: About anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
3: All right. uh, Thank you for that and uh, welcome back to the show. I'm always interested in the comments that uh, people make uh, on uh, my uh, social media, which are like (laughs) on Friday, I had comedian Ran Barnacolo, and uh, on my Facebook page, Tittleating Sports with Rick Tittle. Uh Jacob says the greatest stand-up comedian in the world is stuttering John Melendez, two exclamation points. Okay. And then the other guy says, Yeah, right, that's Matt Patricia, because he had a beard. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, he looks like that too. Um, <clears throat> but you never know what you're gonna get when you uh post uh stuff. The thing that always freaks me out is when all of a sudden I see somebody likes a post that I did in twenty eleven. And I asked somebody about that. I go, what is somebody scrolling back to 2011 and then sees that and then they like it and they say, no, it's just some sort of bot algorithm weird thing, whereas it just will find a keyword or the other one, too, is when somebody likes something from like 10 years ago and it's like a stripper and it's like block block. It's like the stripper really thinks I'm clever, and that's what I'm going after—a stripper. All right, we have another two hours to go. More strippers on the other side. We'll do a hard Newcastle we'll scene in a second, right here. Ah, um, violent.
9: MSA Radio News with Lance
5: Pride. One year after the Biden administration failed in the deadly Afghanistan withdrawal, one fact stands loud and clear. The women of Afghanistan have been put back in their place and any hope of freedom has diminished. The brother of one of the 13 service members killed in the Kabul airport bombing during the Biden administration's withdrawal committed suicide at his brother's memorial earlier this month. The death toll in a firework storage explosion in Armenia's capital, Yerevan has risen to six. Officials said Monday, 60 others were injured in the powerful blast Sunday. The U.S. Consulate is advising citizens to avoid Baja California in Mexico after multiple reports of cars on fire, heavy police presence, and roadblocks caused by unprecedented cartel violence. For more information, visit us online at usaradio.com. USA
9: Radio News. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well,
5: Another U.S. delegation met with Taiwan's president in Taipei Monday, less than two weeks after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit there drove up tensions with the Chinese government. Senator Ed Markey, the Democrat from Massachusetts, is leading a five-member delegation today. A shooting in Jerusalem has a pregnant American fighting for her life.
19: More details have been disclosed in that shooting in Jerusalem's Old City early Sunday. Authorities in Israel say a Palestinian gunman opened fire at a bus, wounding several passengers. Among them, Americans visiting the country. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was made aware the injured were from his home state of New York. He shared what he had learned in a Sunday press briefing.
16: It it's held so close to home because at least three of those eight on the bus were American and Brooklynites.
19: From the Gulf Coast Radio News Bureau, I'm Tony Maruso.
5: USA Radio News.
12: David was in big trouble with the IRS. At first, I didn't owe that much, but after
8: this year, it was out of control.
12: Then David called Get a Tax Lawyer. Right
8: away, they were like, oh yeah, looks like you're qualified to say
12: Get a Tax Lawyer went to work.
8: <laughs> Should have called way sooner. Get a Tax Lawyer has helped thousands like David
0: fight the IRS and get a fresh start. Call 800-745-3070. That's 800-745-3070.
5: President Trump said Monday that the temperature has to be brought down amid a surge of threats to the federal law enforcement agency, FBI, and their overreach at his Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida. The FBI is blatantly frustrating many Americans with their actions to Republicans and non-actions towards Democrats. Trump reached out to the Department of Justice, whatever we can do to help, but has not heard back from the judicial branch of government. As Democrats were pushing the defund the police movement in the last election cycle, violence in gun control cities exploded. Mage Teray on Epic TV is the co-founder of Black Guns Matter, an education movement designed to educate the lifestyle of being a responsible gun owner in urban areas.
2: There's a thousand bad guys in one city where there's very few people armed to be a deterrent. Um, it's like, you know, pardon the expression, shooting fish in a barrel. Um, in areas that have more you know, respect for the Second Amendment and Americans' ability to defend themselves, we have less violent crime. Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing repetitively and expecting different results. And it's political insanity. I mean, it's it's just, just a talking point to people that are unaware. When, when you don't have the data or the information or you're misinformed, you wanna feel like safe. You wanna feel like you're informed. When you have those talking points that happen to sometimes show up on the left, that person says, Things like, oh, we have to do something. No, we don't just have to do something. We have to do what works.
5: Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
20: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now.
0: 800 950 8218 800-950-8218. 800-950-8218. That's 800-950-8218. Paid for by Want to Sell.
13: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
14: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh, my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky
13: T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. We got another two hours from the echo chamber. Come on in and get hurt. There was a uh, game on Saturday. Preseason Chiefs at Bears and um, Soldier Field looked awful. Patches of grass divots out and the NFL Players Association president. By the way, do you know who the NFL Players Association president is? I didn't either. J.C. Treter. J.C. Tretter tweeted, The NFL said that this field met minimum testing standards. We clearly need to reevaluate what is acceptable surface for players to compete on. We need new testing metrics looking at the performance and safety of every field. The NFL can and should do better. What happened was, a week earlier, there was an Elton John concert. And it was ravaged. And then, it's funny because (laughs) the Chicago Fire, the MLS team that plays there, they moved their game. They didn't even play there. So the new head coach of the Bears, Matt Eberflus, was asked about it. He said, I'm new here, so I don't know the situations, but I know the guys are trying to do their best, and the playing surface was passed by the NFL for us to be on. I thought it was firm and it was good, so we'll leave it at that. Justin Fields, though, said, I mean, it's kind of always been like that. It definitely was better than the Family Fest earlier this week. I'm just glad it was better than it was earlier this week because it wasn't the best. The grass could definitely be better for sure. And then Andy Bede was asked about it, head coach of the Chiefs. He said, a lot better than my high school field, but not much.' He said, this is just what we have to deal with. The Bears do not have another preseason home game. Um but they do have week one against the Niners. Right there. Week one by the way, very pointy September eleventh, said always which is my parents' anniversary now. Yeah. Alright, we will take a, a quick break. We will come on back. We got open lines, so come on in at one eight hundred eight seven eight.
0: Information 800 915 9654, 800 915 9654, 800 915 9654, that's 800 915
4: 9654. Hour two of titillating sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour two of titillating sports. Hey, check out Channel 9. Check out
3: Rick Tittle. (laughs) All right, check me out. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Come on in and get hurt. if I talk like that all the time? Come on, I am only going to get hurt. <clears throat> I, every time I talk about golf, I always preface it by, Oh, you think I'll talk about golf? I should just not do that anymore. I should just talk about golf. But the uh, FedEx playoffs had a very dramatic finish. And uh, that is that Wills Salatoris beat Zepp Stracha. <laughs> and uh, it was a very bizarre playoff. They traded pars on the 18th to kick off extra holes. <clears throat> Got back to the next tee. I remember, you would start working your way backwards. Zal Torres hit his shot to the right, could have gone out of bounds. Strache <laughs> found the hazard. It just, they both started stinking. And then Zal Torres' next tee shot barely stayed in the rocks on the hazard on the par three eleventh. And it set the stage for Zilpstraka to claim his uh, second title on the tour. But then he stunk. So then Zalatoris was able to step up, <clears throat> hit a putt, <clears throat> and win his first ever PGA Tour event. And I got to say, ugliest trophy I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you think he cares? He doesn't. <clears throat> it's like a dark, dirty bronze Modern art, one foot high, wiggly piece of garbage. But like I said, to him, it's the most beautiful trophy he's ever seen. But this is a guy who, you know, he's, he's still very young. And he is technically the reigning PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. <clears throat> Kid out of Wake. He was omitted from the playoffs last year. Why? Because he wasn't allowed to be a full-time member of the tour, this is why the '54 Live Golf is uh, saying it. Don't worry. Remember, they snapped up two of the best NCAA golfers. Did the uh, the Saudis? So <clears throat> since then, <clears throat> excuse me. Heartbreak after heartbreak. Lost on a playoff to Justin Thomas at the PGA Championship. Just missed out on a playoff at the U.S. Open. And inevitably, it looked like it would happen again when you looked at his, his tee shot on the final playoff hole. But, you know, it's just one more bounce or bounces his way it goes that as, as well. And you could say it was a, a uh, choke from Sepp Straka. By the way, he's Austrian. Uh, Sepp, as we would say in English, is just short for Josef or Joseph. It's like saying Joe. When you're in southern Germany, Switzerland, or Austria, if you're Joseph, you're Sepp, like Sepp Blatter. If you're in northern Germany and you're Joseph, you're Jupp, or J U P P Jupp, Jupp, Zip. But when you have a S with a vowel after it, you pronounce it as a Z. When you have it with a consonant after it, you pronounce it like an SH. I.e. zep Straka. <clears throat> I'm here to teach German to you. This is what this show is all about. But with Zalatoris, it was always a when I win. But then it started getting to if I win, and it finally arrived at uh, at the TPC Southwind. So now with this St. Jude Championship title, he has ascended, obviously, to the top of the FedEx Cup standings, and. Maybe he has the potential to, well, he does have the potential to follow the footsteps of Patrick Cantlay and sprint through the finish line at Eastlake and raise that FedEx crown. And what is that, 16 million bucks? <clears throat> That's a lot. But if you look at Zepp Schraka, who was a minus 15 and, of course, choked in the playoff. I say choked because the other guy choked and he had to choke harder. But he came into the week off of six consecutive missed cuts. And so if you told him, look, you'll have a nine iron in your hand, and all you got to do is put it on the green after watching the tee shot that Zalatoris made, and you will win the tournament, he would have taken it. Now, look, he did show tremendous resolve down the stretch. He had to hit clutch shot after clutch shot just to stay with Zalatoris, who was in the group ahead of him. And that's the other thing. How'd the other guy do? Um, Birdie. Okay, how did he do this time? Birdie. How did he do this time? Birdie. Like, oh my gosh. But he stayed with him. But not enough. If you look at third, Lucas Glover. Lucas Glover was ranked 121st in the world at the beginning of that golf tournament. And now he's in the top 50. And um, he said, it's nice. (laughs) Kind of a similar situation a couple years ago. I had one and a half good weeks and I ended up in Atlanta and that was kind of the back of my head and thought, you know, got to just get through this week and then everybody's got a shot. Yeah. But if you look at Tony Finau, we talked about him with Simon Holden from Against the Number in England, our golf guy. Uh, he was attempting to become the first man to successfully defend a title in the FedEx Cup playoffs, and he did a very good effort, um, nearly winning in his third straight start. This course guy has won four times on the PGA Tour, and he still has to be on the short list of players to raise a trophy at uh, East Lake, a minus 11, and it's a, it was a fantastic. Weekend for Tony Fino. Now, you don't think so when you come in tied for fifth. But if you think about in the grand scheme of things, <clears throat> he's in great position. And he was tied for fifth with Adam Scott at minus 11. And he entered the week 77th in the standings. And he played himself up as uh, well. And um, you know, if, you, if you look at the Aussie, uh, he didn't really have a great year. He didn't really have a great year last year either. But uh, he said, I played really poorly and somehow shot a decent score and had to turn it around and play solidly throughout, and I'm happy with that. I get to play four rounds next week, and my golf's been pretty good, and I've got nothing out of it. I feel, even though I'm not winning this event, I feel like I'm getting something out of the week. So hopefully that's good for the confidence going into next week, and somehow have a big week and get through to Eastlake. Yes. <clears throat> John Rahm was also tied for fifth at a minus 11. And very quiet season, only one victory. This is the former world number one. But, you know, finishing out with a 466, capturing yet another top 10 result in the playoffs. You can keep an eye on him for the BMW championship. He was, you know, his normal steady self. Cameron Smith was the betting favorite. We talked about that with Simon as well. Um, but came in tied for 13th at a minus 9. And uh, he was 11-under, ended up 9-under because he was assessed a two-stroke penalty 30 minutes before his tee time on Sunday due to an improper drop on Saturday. And that immediately, of course, puts you behind the eight ball. You start off plus two. So he did his best to shrug it off. He birdied his opening hole, and then it kind of stalled out for him. So he'll get another chance next week. But it kind of reminds me of Tottenham after the, uh, when I was working at the World Cup in 94, they had been assessed a 12-point penalty for going into bankruptcy or administration from the Midland Bank. There was a guy named Irving Scholar that owned Tottenham. Some people wanted him relegated. That got reduced to a six-point penalty, but Tottenham began the season with Klinsman and Chico Popescu and Ilya Dumitrescu, all these great players they bought, with a minus six. Yeah. Did they get relegated? Hell no, they didn't get relegated. But I will go to a break now, and you can come back, and we can talk sports. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back on Titillating Sports.
6: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call
0: 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635.
20: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
9: USA, your calcium doesn't increase bone density. Algae Cal Plus does. Talk to one of our bone health consultants today and see how Algae Cal Plus can start increasing your bone density. Call now.
0: 800 437 8217. 800 437 8217. 800 437 8217. That's 800 437
8: 8217. Now you see that evil will always triumph. Because good is dumb.
7: Tittle always goes commando.
3: Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. <clears throat> Open lines. Email here from uh, Jeremy, Rick at com, saying that uh, FanDuel reported that someone put 15 grand on Zalatoris to win and won $345,000. If you have fifteen grand to put on a golf event, you don't need the $345,000. But I'm so sick of FanDuel and DraftKings and all this stuff. Do you know that you won't win a dime? Can I just say that out loud unless they want to sponsor my show? Then you'll win lots of money. And it, it's entertainment. If you want the entertainment from it, then great. It's just like a casino. You figure, look, I got two hundred bucks. I'm gonna play some slots. That'll that'll be sixty dollars gone in five minutes <clears throat> or less. Then I'll play a couple of hands of blackjack, and uh, that will last ten minutes. And then my two hundred my two hundred dollars is gone. That's fine, you know, just kind of a little bit titillating. Maybe I might win. If you think you're gonna win, you're an idiot. <laughs> if you think you have a chance. You're also stupid. If you think you have a chance, uh, if you think you have a one in a million chance, now you're just, now you're having fun because you know you won't. Then you won't get disappointed. I remember going into a casino with a friend who was playing uh, No Limit. And I mean, there had to be a limit. You couldn't go in there with a billion dollars, but it was No Limit Blackjack. And I remember. There were these two guys, they were like these uh, Asian businessmen, and they're playing $5,000 hands. I was like, how can you just, you know, lose like 50 grand in a couple of minutes? I-, I don't know. It's a different world than uh, the world that uh, I'm in. <laughs> it's a completely different world. But anyway, DraftKings, FanDuel, do you know how rich those companies are getting and why are they getting rich? Why are they building a new casino in Vegas? Have you ever flown into Las Vegas? All you see is cranes. There is only one. Now, some of the old casinos down there, you know, they just aged out. The building is from 1950. It started crumbling. I get it, right? Some of them have flipped ownerships, like the Aladdin that I stayed in for NAB. That is called the hard. I don't know what that's called now. Something else. And I can see one thing. Look, I want to buy your building from you. The only casino I can think of ever that was brand new, not an old one, not one that flint, but that was brand new. And now all you see is its foundation because it was torn to the ground. What's the Trump casino? That's the only one that was just a complete <clears throat> failure. And and they no one else bought the building and just said, like, I'll take it over. You guys, uh, nice try. It's it's a foundation. <clears throat> it's really weird uh, to see. All 800 1-80-87A 1-800-878-PLAY. Interesting reports out of San Francisco today. Let's now go to San Francisco where Rick Tittle is on the scene. Um, well, first of all, Mike Silver is now a writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, which is curious and I've interviewed Mike a few times. I've talked to Mike a few times at Raider drafts and practices. He's a Cal guy. He was once banned by Al Davis. He was a huge national writer at one point. And on the one hand, you could say it's a huge demotion for him to go to the Chronicle. I don't think so. It the, has the highest distribution in Northern California. But it's also, as the Chronicle is laying people off and making people like Bruce Jenkins retire and write one column a week for, you know, with no benefits, I guess, from what I hear, kicking everyone out that they go out and get Mike Silver. It's a weird thing. But anyway, Mike Silver um, had an interesting uh, report that Jimmy Garoppolo, quote unquote, disappeared in most off seasons, including 2018, after he signed his five-year, 137.5 million dollar deal, and um, he said once he left that press conference, nobody heard from him for weeks and weeks. He didn't return calls. He didn't return texts. He basically just vanished. And the Niners were looking at each other, going, "What just happened?" <clears throat> Okay. well, it it goes without saying, I think that a different kind of work ethic is required to be successful in the NFL, especially at the QB position and front office executives want their QBs to be examples in everything they do, including how they handle the off season. And this report seems to indicate that Jimmy G really enjoyed his time off. But here's the thing. I'm on Jimmy G's side <clears throat> in this. He showed up, he took his team to the Super Bowl, but that's not what they want out of their quarterback. Remember in the bye week when Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson went to like Central America or Mexico or something? And they're like, How how dare you? And he's like, How dare I what? You want me to stay at the facility? Do you know you're not allowed to stay at the facility during the bye week You are not allowed. Your team is not allowed to contact you during the bye week Now you can, you can ask to go in and be granted it. It's not like it's against the law, but you are not required to show up. And so they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? We're in the middle of a season here. Yeah. You go with your celebrity girlfriend to Mexico, and it's like, well, where, where's the rest of the team right now? Oh, I don't know. Right. Who cares? It's only because I'm the quarterback. Now, maybe this uh, – like I said, I don't have a problem with this, and I'm sure people say, oh, no, you really got to get rid of him. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care? What, what if you went to Europe, right, with your girl, uh, your woman, whatever, your wife, your girlfriend – your husband, your boyfriend, whatever it is. You go to Europe and your team is texting you every day. Yeah, um, you know, we're starting camp in uh, 11 weeks. Uh, just wonder if you can go over this thing right now. It's like, what, why? why don't, tell me when to show up and I'll show up. So the Jimmy G thing now, and I think this report came out. And this was leaked to Mike Silver just to somehow make the Niners look better. You know, like, is anybody I'm sure if you if you have it out for Jimmy G, this will just be something else you can throw into it. Like, he doesn't really care. He's not a football maniac. You know, the whole thing where I remember at the draft when Michael Irvin said, I want somebody who eats, sleeps and drinks football. I don't want somebody taking a day off. Isn't anybody else? Don't you want to stay healthy? Well, you know, there were reports that had Deshaun Watson been out for the whole season, and he still might. Remember, the NFL is appealing it that they might, the Browns might make a trade for him instead of just going with Jacoby Brissett for the entire season. Um, other than that, the only other team I can think would be the Seahawks. I mean, they're, it, it's amazing to me that Pete Carroll is confident in Drew Locke and Geno Smith, one or the other. And there was a report that Seattle did work in the film room to see how Garoppolo would fit in. And what they're waiting for apparently is for him to get cut. And that's all it is. And the second he gets cut that Seattle will pounce. And yes, you still have to give Jimmy G his physical. He did have shoulder surgery in the off season but his base salary this year is $24.2 million. The 49ers right now have less than $5 million available. <laughs> right? So uh, they already, uh, and the best news of any Niner fan of the offseason was seeing that Debo Samuel got extended, which is, um, you know, it, Debo Samuel did everything he could to look like, I, I guess, just threatened that he wanted to leave. But basically even having, you know, uh, anytime it's like Debo should leave, like. (laughs) Debo's too good for the Niners, like. He should be paid running back and wide receiver money put together, like, retweet. Like, retweet, quote, tweet. Can I like it twice? No. If you press on it twice, your heart comes off. Ah. By the way, do you remember on Twitter when you liked something, it was a star? When did it change to, a, change to a heart? I liked it better when you liked it and it was a star. When you like it with a heart, it's like, mm, I'm in love with this. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> but it's just a weird thing now for the Niners to tell Mike Silver, you know, after he did that press conference, he took off, man. Look, I'm sure if they told Jimmy, look, the building burned down. We need you back here. He wouldn't be like, "Mm, I'll ignore that text. He didn't do anything wrong. This is just another way to talk about he sucks. And they're trying to get rid of him. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back with Ben Glebe, everybody.
11: This is a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup sound experiment. We're looking to find the perfect way to hear Reese's so you'll buy more of them. Here we go. Reese's.
12: Reese's.
11: Reese's. Reese's. Hey, get out of here, you old stinker. Reese's. 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 Peanut Butter Cups. That, that breathy one sounded very creepy, am I right?
0: pricing information 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 that's 800-915-9654 do you love driving but you don't love your car payment open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as a hundred dollars a month or more it's easy to refinance your car payment Just call today to get your no-obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on-time payments.
16: At the United States Postal Service, we deliver with advanced technology and equipment so we can reach over 160 million addresses across the country. We're delivering for thinkers, doers, movers, shakers, groundbreakers, future makers, innovators, trailblazers, disruptors, streamers, dreamers. So no matter what business you're in, we'll always be delivering for you. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at USPS.com delivering.
4: Rick
7: Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: I feel bad about that now. I really, really do. <clears throat> I sound like um, what's her name? Uh, Sally Field. You like me? You really like? Well, but we'll get Ben Glebe on when we get him on. <clears throat> Until then, it's time to talk about some sports. Oh, we got him. Very happy to have a stand-up comedian. Ben Glebe on the show, Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the border on the American Forces Radio Network. And uh, Ben has a, a brand new special, which uh, just debuted, or as the kids would say, dropped Butterfingers. It's called The uh, The Mad King. And uh, Ben, welcome to the show. What's that like going on YouTube and watching your helium special just by the hour, getting thousands and thousands of more
9: views?
22: thanks rick i appreciate you having me on it feels pretty darn good you know um you work so hard as a comic in a vacuum you play a lot of rooms around the country any little room that'll have you sometimes 300 people sometimes 50 people you work do workout sets in la that's where i live sometimes in front of five people just trying to develop jokes that'll make the masses happy make them laugh make them think a little and um it's just very gratifying to finally see the work product come out. It feels amazing.
3: Well, we're not even 24 hours in. When I began the show, it was at 2.2 thousand. And this show is an hour 42 in. So now it's up to 2.5 thousand. And I've noticed from comedians that have been in here with me, like Sam Marill, Mark Norman, Joe List, Shane Gillis, they just decided, you know, and and it's the whole thing about, you know, if you're a straight white guy, they don't want you. And I know that sounds trite, but it's kind of the truth. It's like, you know, what do you got? I need something a little more interesting. So you put your own thing out on YouTube and then you get millions of views and then they come back to you and they go, oh, I I guess you're okay after all. huh?" (laughs) Yeah,
22: that's exactly right. Those are some great comics that you mentioned. It's exactly right. My first special a few years back was on Showtime and I didn't even want to pitch it. I didn't, we didn't pitch it this time to, to, showtime or hbo or netflix or any streamers because they're not knocking down your door if you're a straight white guy at the moment and you know i'm glad that other groups are getting their 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 time in the sun but it doesn't make it any easier on on my pocketbook or on us trying to make a career so i want to go directly to the people i gave it out for free and i want people just to go discover my comedy this is a next level special for me this is my ode to george carlin um I take on so many of the issues that we talk about today that are that are, you know, kind of consuming our nation's attention and I put I hope a very funny spin on it. I think you won't stop laughing for an hour and I also tell some absurd personal stories, talk about ex-girlfriends, talk about a fight I got into in a parking lot, talk about some weird things girls have said to me on dates. We really cover the gamut in this special and uh it'll just keep you i think laughing for the full hour and seven minutes i give you seven extra minutes by the way rick most comics <laughs> don't do that for an hour special
3: i know well, i won't mention his name but uh very very funny youtube community special came out recently that's 42 minutes so what's that all about
22: yeah it's not an hour special better not be calling it an hour special i think that's <laughs> got to be called a half hour special that's a, that's a <laughs> half hour special with a little bonus content <clears throat>
3: I think it's called an hour special with commercial breaks, ready to go. If you need right <laughs> to build it in, they were planning
22: on pitching television for sure, and they did not get a buy.
3: <laughs> well, the other thing about you is that you know you, um, I guess I'll just say because it's true, you're brave. You'll get in people's faces. You'll challenge them on things, and so I'm I'm sure now and then maybe somebody has wanted to take a swing at you. What's that like?
22: That is true. Yeah, man, I definitely I definitely don't shy away from confronting people that i disagree with and that not violently ever but but with words i think it's it's very necessary to challenge people to their face i like to take on debates i accept any conversation that i can but it, it 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 is sometimes hard you know years ago i did a trump joke or a few trump jokes at a show and someone heckled me and i came off stage and in my merch line meeting the crowd afterwards my meet and greet line somebody comes up to me and says if you keep talking about the president like that, you're going to get a bullet in your head. Ugh. And uh, that's not nice to hear. <clears throat> so I said, uh, So I guess you're not buying a t shirt? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in did... Will yeah. Smith has not made this any easier. You know, the second he went there and slapped Chris Rock, every comic recoiled in a way that nobody else did because we knew that now he's mm. making it okay in a lot of people's eyes to become physically violent with a comedian. These are just jokes, But If you can't handle words, you're a fragile little flower. And I probably shouldn't say that because now someone's going to slap me with their stems or whatever.
3: <laughs> no, I, to me, it is, It's a, you know, stand-up comedy is, you guys are just short of landing jets on moving aircraft carriers. It's one of the, the most uh, dangerous, hardest things to do. And many people have tried and and failed at it and it's an art form and, and you know, does do you like every type of art? No. But you don't try to cancel like I'm not a big modern art fan, but I don't want to cancel, you know, Sidney Pollock and, and take away his livelihood. It's just a weird era that we're in right now.
22: Yeah, modern art <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Most of it is very stupid. It's not art. It's people that grew up always getting trophies and pretending. And their their parents told them that, oh, they put one one dot on a canvas. What a beautiful piece of art. And that literally is as far as their skills evolved. And that's all they do. And they sell it now for thousands of dollars to a bunch of entitled idiots. But I'm not trying to shut down the museum. And I don't go pick it and say, your art sucks. I mean, I do sometimes talk trash about them on radio shows. But other than that, I let them be. I certainly am not getting it in their face about it so um Mm. people need to relax a little bit and we need to be a lot more open to an an exchange of ideas on both sides of the aisle in this country you know on the on the left it's true too that people are so sensitive these days on the far left you can't question things as society changes at a rapid pace and it seems like you can't you know i open my special by coming out there and i go hello how's everybody doing how are you can I get you anything? Are you warm? There's only gonna be questions today because comics aren't allowed to tell jokes anymore. <laughs> I mean you gotta give us a second up here if we're a little slower these days. We have to put everything we say through a quick filter of will this ruin my life?
3: <laughs> well, so, by the way, the reality, I think I said but... Yeah. I I think I said Sidney Pollack, I meant Jackson Pollock, by the way. Not the director. Oh,
22: I knew who you meant. I knew who you meant. Yeah. And he's not Thank... even as 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 Bad as most modern art At least he put lots of colors on a canvas. Some of these people, literally, one one brush stroke. Do you well, do you like look, my use of negative space? No, you're an untalented <laughs> idiot. Get a job.
3: Ben Glebe is with us, and uh, Helium Comedy Special on uh, YouTube. The Mad King is is out, uh, brand new today. Let me let me. This is this is true. What I'm going to tell you, Ben. When I was at the Tape Modern many years ago in London. These were three things at the Tate Modern. One was a toilet that was spray painted pink. One was a bowl of mashed potatoes and another was a shelf with a boxing glove on it. Now, I have talents and I have things I'm not talented at. I'm not a good artist, but if it can be something that I can make up instantly, it it ain't art to me.
22: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Even though I do like if you put the three together, it kind of takes you through a whole journey and somebody has to struggle <laughs> to fight the world with their boxing glove on, and then they're depleted and need nourishment, and thankfully we have food they can eat, and then they go and, you know, drop a deuce because that's your only choice left. It really speaks to the cycle of life, and also that wow. artist, all three combined, should probably be, I don't know, that, I was going to say take their art license away, but there's no license. Anybody can just do it. And it's a shame. It's a shame. Even their parents aren't proud of them. Can you imagine the parents of that person that made the pink toilet going to see their art exhibit being dragged after repeated texts, please come support me, you've never supported me, and they come and just see a spray-painted toilet? I mean, if I were them, I would see if retroactive adoption is still possible.
3: Uh, Well, see, this is the thing, Ben. You've done what they want you to do, and that is you tried to think... Why is this here? And so that's like the, the, the canvas that's completely black. You go, oh, this is the duality of man. This is the hopelessness of our race or, or whatever. And it's like, I, I want art to, to, to just tell me what it is instead of me trying to figure out what the hell it is.
22: 100 percent. That's why I love stand-up comedy. It's the most direct art form. I don't like when comics say it's not an art form. Of course it is. If a mm-hmm. pink toilet can be considered art, then definitely what we do is art. But it's a direct art. We're not trying to be all obnoxious about it and let you interpret what you mean. When an artist says, I want you to interpret it, it means they didn't make a choice. They don't know what it is, and they're hoping you give them something deep they can repeat at dinner parties. It's no doubt. Absurd. You need, That's what's great about comedy. We directly tell you our jokes. It either makes you laugh or it doesn't. And if it does, then you've had a good, full art experience. you got your laughter. you got your money's worth. You're not sitting there wondering, why am I so stupid and make such bad financial choices? You feel good about yourself as a human. And that's what I bring to people.
3: What was it like working with Lauren Michaels? I mean, you've worked with a lot of big people, but uh, that's comedy royalty right there.
22: He is indeed, yeah. I mean... An honor to be associated with Lorne in any way. He's also such a big fish that when when he produced my pilot, The Glebe Show for Fox a million years ago that never saw the light of day, I didn't even meet him. We were just on email chains. He saw our pitch. He read the script. There were notes given around, never even got to meet the guy. So he is still very much that mysterious man behind the mask, Dr. Evil to to me, but like a nice Dr. Evil, you know? <laughs>
3: No doubt. So you also have something that not comedians have. You have a pretty dedicated fan base, like Deadheads, don't you?
22: Yeah, this is something that I'm so fortunate that's kind of evolved in the last few years. Um, even during the pandemic, like a lot of comics kind of went the other way and like like had a really quiet period. And I found my most dedicated fans ever. I created this virtual comedy club called Nowhere Comedy. I created this show called Glebe Off the Top. Crowd work and improvised madness that I do. I used to do it weekly, now I do it once a month. Um, it's, it's this virtual town I created called Madtown, and we get to escape from the chaos of the real world and create our own Willy Wonka style madness, um, our own like Alice in Wonderland kind of deep down the rabbit hole reality. And we hang out, and that's this world where I'm the Mad King, they're the mad ones. We hang out in Madtown, we elect a mayor during the show every couple times and they get to run stuff for the town on our Facebook group and it's just created such a connection where these amazing people come out and they just support my shows virtually for so long that now I started doing shows in person again. They fly all around and come see my shows. Some of them have been to four or five cities, two countries to see my shows. Puts a lot of pressure on me to keep the material fresh, I'll tell you that much, Rick. <laughs>
3: No doubt. And real quick, you're not going to run for president again, are you?
22: I am not. Thank you for asking. No, that was a one-time deal. America had the choice. They <laughs> said no. Most of them didn't even know I ran, which speaks to our incredibly uh. broken system, as most of our systems are broken. Don't worry, it's not mm. just our politics. Almost all of them are collapsing. But I, I did my shot. The, the goal of my campaign was achieved anyway. It was making sure the other guy didn't win again. And uh, and so I'm good. I'm quite happy going back to being a comedian and letting much more boring, much more corrupt people do the politics for us. I can just comment on it and criticize from the outside. I'm much more comfortable there.
3: Well, I like it. At least you didn't blame hanging chads. I like that. Ben Glee, the helium special, the mad king. It is brand new on YouTube. One hundred and seven minutes of guffaw laughter. Hey, Ben, uh, next time you're in San Francisco, come in studio. We had your boy uh, Steve Hostetter in here. We've got a lot of your friends, so come on in, man.
22: I would love that very much. And just to correct the record, I, as much as I, I don't want people to think, that they think it's a marathon, 67 minutes, not 107 minutes. That would be too oh. long for a special. That would be too long. And, right. and just a quick shout-out, if I could, too, because I know you're on Armed Forces Radio to all of our troops because, truly, they're the only thing we got going still great in this country. I mean, I mean, we got a lot still great in this country, but they're, they're the ones that never fail us. The fact that they sign up to protect us and do what they can to do their part in this country, and it's free of politics, and it's just out of a love of this country, is something that we don't respect enough in this country these days, and I just want to give a shout-out and an incredible thank you to all of them for their service. And if any of the service members hearing this uh, want a a discounted ticket to my uh, virtual show i'll give you 50 percent off just email me or dm me on instagram at ben glebe and i'll hook it up for the september 3rd glebe off the top and uh of course my specials for free for everybody on youtube but i want to do a little bit of something for our troops
3: great stuff from ben glebe i'm rick tittle the guy who thinks there's 100 seconds in a minute ben thanks a lot man appreciate it
22: my pleasure anytime
3: all right rick tittle, come on back All right, thank you very much. Welcome back. Real quick, uh, getting reports from the Dallas Morning News that the Rangers are firing manager Chris Woodward. Remember, it was supposed to be Jeff Bannister that was going to take over. They went with Woodward for some four years, and they spent a lot of money, and it ain't happening in Arlington. So sorry for fans of Chris Woodward. Reports are that he is being fired. We'll take a quick news break of hard stuff and we'll come back with another hour with J.D. Sharp, Sarah Talamash, and the Hall of Famer, Joey Mullen.
9: USA Radio News with Lance
5: Pride. One year after the Biden administration failed in the deadly Afghanistan withdrawal, one fact stands loud and clear. The women of Afghanistan have been put back in their place, and any hope of freedom has diminished. The brother of one of the 13 service members killed in the Kabul airport bombing during the Biden administration's withdrawal committed suicide at his brother's memorial earlier this month. The death toll in a firework storage explosion in Armenia's capital, Yerevan has risen to six. Officials said Monday, 60 others were injured in the powerful blast Sunday. The U.S. Consulate is advising citizens to avoid Baja California in Mexico after multiple reports of cars on fire, heavy police presence, and roadblocks caused by unprecedented cartel violence. For more information, visit us online at usaradio.com. USA
9: Radio News. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well,
5: Another U.S. delegation met with Taiwan's president in Taipei Monday, less than two weeks after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit there drove up tensions with the Chinese government. Senator Ed Markey, the Democrat from Massachusetts, is leading a five-member delegation today. A shooting in Jerusalem has a pregnant American fighting for her life.
19: More details have been disclosed in that shooting in Jerusalem's Old City early Sunday. Authorities in Israel say a Palestinian gunman opened fire at a bus, wounding several passengers. Among them, Americans visiting the country. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was made aware the injured were from his home state of New York. He shared what he had learned in a Sunday press briefing.
16: It it's held so close to home because at least three of those eight on the bus were American and Brooklynites.
19: From the Gulf Coast Radio News Bureau, I'm Tony Maruso.
5: USA Radio News.
12: David was in big trouble with the IRS. At first, I didn't owe that much, but after
8: this year, it was out of control.
12: Then David called Get a Tax Lawyer. Right
8: away, they were like, oh yeah, looks like you're qualified to say
12: Get a Tax Lawyer went to work.
8: <laughs> Should have called way sooner. Get a Tax Lawyer has helped thousands like David
0: fight the IRS and get a fresh start. Call 800-745-3070. That's 800-745-3070.
5: President Trump said Monday that the temperature has to be brought down amid a surge of threats to the federal law enforcement agency, FBI, and their overreach at his Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida. The FBI is blatantly frustrating many Americans with their actions to Republicans and non-actions towards Democrats. Trump reached out to the Department of Justice, whatever we can do to help, but has not heard back from the judicial branch of government. As Democrats were pushing the defund the police movement in the last election cycle, violence in gun control cities exploded. Mage Teray on Epic TV is the co-founder of Black Guns Matter, an education movement designed to educate the lifestyle of being a responsible gun owner in urban areas.
2: There's a thousand bad guys in one city where there's very few people armed to be a deterrent. Um, it's like, you know, pardon the expression, shooting fish in a barrel. Um, in areas that have more you know, respect for the Second Amendment and Americans' ability to defend themselves, we have less violent crime. Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing repetitively and expecting different results. And it's political insanity. I mean, it's it's just, just a talking point to people that are unaware. When, when you don't have the data or the information or you're misinformed, you wanna feel like safe. You wanna feel like you're informed. When you have those talking points that happen to sometimes show up on the left, that person says, Things like, oh, we have to do something. No, we don't just have to do something, we have to do what works.
5: Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
1: Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Get in and get heard. The NBA basically released their Christmas schedule today. I say basically because they haven't confirmed it, but all the news outlets are saying it. Five Christmas games That means you have to be playing some at the same time, or do you? Are they just going to go back to back to back to back to back? We already know that opening night of the entire NBA season will take place in San Francisco at the home of the champs. As LeBron James taking on Steph Curry, barring injuries, knock on wood. But the five Christmas games, Warriors at Memphis, think about that as a Ravine's game for the Grizz and all this stuff being said. Klay Thompson calling Jaren Jackson Jr. a clown. Uh, Dallas Mavericks at Lakers. There's Donchance and LeBron. Nuggets at Suns. Some good teams in the West. Obviously, the Suns were the best team. Regular season. Knicks at Sixers. And, um, of course, New York Philly. That's an automatic and then Celtics at Bucks, the Eastern champs versus a team that won it all a few years ago. So they definitely want a star <clears throat> dealio. But what they really want, the marquee game is going to be Warriors and Grias. And you think about Draymond Green and Ja Morant will jaw at each other. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But five, five games on Christmas Day is, is insane. Uh, all right, 1-800-878-PLAY, we got another hour to go. we got some guests lined up. Get in and get hurt, as I always say. Get heard and get in. Get in and get heard, get heard and get in. Also around the world on AFN, the American Forces Radio Network. You're doing a great job in the military. Stay safe. Come home soon. I'm proud of you. Keep up the good work. Tune in at iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app uh, as well. If you want to tweet at me, it's at Rick Tittle we got another hour. Come on back.
16: At the United States Postal Service, we deliver with advanced technology and equipment so we can reach over 160 million addresses across the country. We're delivering for thinkers, doers, movers, shakers, groundbreakers, future makers, innovators, trailblazers, disruptors, streamers, dreamers. So no matter what business you're in, will always be delivering for you. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com/delivering.
12: reading the books at their own game visit against the number.com that's against the number.com
4: sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a genius the best show ever he's so wonderful genius the best show ever He's so wonderful, titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is so handsome. He's a genius.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. 11, 12 Pacific time. We check in with one of our friends over at againstthenumber.com. Which is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers <clears throat> focused on one thing and one thing only beating the sports books of their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and their results are real. Joining us once again is our friend J.D. Sharp to take a look at Major League Baseball. And uh, J.D., uh, breaking news that the Texas Rangers have fired uh, Chris Woodward. And I remember when the guy Bannister took over late in the year, about four years ago, and they were looking good, and then they decided not to go with him. They went with this guy Woodward, who was kind of uh, a no-name at the time and really didn't Uh, do much with this team. Now, he did inherit a horrible team, but they put $500 million into Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. And, um, you know, uh, your thoughts about the Rangers moving on.
23: Well, I I think that they put too much money into Seager and Simeon, obviously, and Seager, who's had injury injury issues his entire career. And Simeon, who really had two... I mean, he, he had one great year for the Blue Jays, and then he had a couple of pretty good years for, for the A's, your team, obviously. But I mean, the guy's like 32. He's, besides that, he's, he's been pretty inconsistent. I think they've drafted pretty well with Jack Leiter and, and Kumar Rocker this year. But they spent too much money on the bats, not enough money on, on pitching prospects that are, are not, not even pitching prospects, but but pitchers that can win 10-plus games a year. And when you do that, when you make an investment into the future, and we know how important pitching is, obviously, you don't get a chance to, to really benefit from those prospects developing and playing at a high level because they're so young. And some, I mean, things like this happen under those circumstances if, if that big money that you spent on, on a Seeger or a Simeon doesn't pan out the way that you want it to and Garcia garcia's had a pretty decent career but he's well, i think he's 28 years old he's he, he's a player that came from the from the dr but, but yeah that they just don't have the pitching to 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 sustain any type of legitimate win streak or consistency that gives them any chance of making the playoffs at least not right now but i think they probably won three or four years Rick.
3: Last 11 weeks now, we've had four guys fired. Girardi and Philly, and Rob Thompson has turned things around there. But you look at the Angels going from Joe Madden to Phil Nevin. That hasn't worked. The Blue Jays, Montoyo (laughs) to John Schneider. uh, That hasn't worked. And I remember one time when I was doing the A's pregame show, I had Jeff Luno in the booth with me back when they were the Lastros, and he was the GM, and I wondered why they fired um, Bo Porter, with I think like two weeks left in the season, I said, "Why not just write it out?" And he said, "Hey, when a guy has to go, he has he's to go. go." Do you right. agree with that?
23: Yeah, I agree entirely. When mm. when a guy has to go, he's got to go. Especially maybe maybe him and Seager and Simeon and the the big money that they spent on prospects. Maybe those prospects or are, are that the big money they spent on talent. Maybe that talent is not agreeing with. You know, Chris Woodward for a number of reasons, and then when, when you're not a big name and you don't have a big resume backing you, and you have issues with players who are high money guys who you you know you basically invested four or five years of the future of your franchise into, then at that point you you're really you're you're kind of out of luck, so to speak. And I think that's that's the situation with Woodward. And then again, I, I do think that they're going to be in pretty good shape in three or four years, but. They just don't have the pitching right now to to make any type of difference in the American League. And the hitting that they spent a lot of money on is hitting okay. I mean, Sigurd's having an an okay year, and I think Simeon Seven, he's played better as of late. He started off terrible. But you invest so much money into those two players, and you don't spend money on pitching. And they don't have huge seasons and or MVP caliber season, which is what they really had to have for those trades to make any sense or for, for those signings to make any sense at all. And then, no, there you are.
3: You know, speaking of the A's and former Rangers Elvis Andres um, needs to get to 550 PAs to have a $15 million player option kick in and knowing that the A's burnt the team to the ground and to them paying a guy 2 million is like a Garrett Cole contract. Of course the A's <laughs> are they're manipulating that playing time right now. They're playing younger guys, Nick Allen, Jonah Bride, some of the others there as well. But Andrews isn't happy, and he says, everyone knows I'm an everyday player. And my answer to that is you're 33 years old, and you're hitting two thirty seven. You have nothing to complain about.
23: Nothing at all. Absolutely not. He's, he was a huge prospect who had... He was supposed to be one of the the best prospects at his position, like a generational prospect, and he definitely has not panned out in any capacity. He's gotten played everywhere that he's gone, and he's gotten paid everywhere that he's gone. And, yeah, when you're hitting 230 and you're 33 and your career is effectively over, you you have absolutely nothing to complain about. He should be happy to get the time that he's getting.
3: No doubt. We look at the Yankees who are in a little bit of a slide, and we'll see if they can uh, correct it. But as we look at the wild cards, uh, right now, in the American League, um, Baltimore is only a game and a half behind Tampa, who's a game who's a half game behind Seattle, who's a game behind Toronto. You even look at Minnesota and the White Sox, who are both two games uh, out of the wild the last wild card spot. And then I'll throw in Boston just for fun, even though they're two under at four and a half, but this is what the wild card was supposed to do. This was supposed to keep you interested during the dog days because normally if you're you're a Red Sox fan, you think the season's over and and it's not. How do you look right now at the AL wild card?
23: I like the White Sox in this situation. I mean, you, you look at the season that Dylan Cease is having, and by the way, he's facing Verlander tomorrow, battle of the top two, In the you know the the race for the Cy Young this year, he's twelve and four. Verlander's fifteen and three. He's got a one nine eight ERA. But the White Sox have a ton of talent offensively. They've got if Lance Wynn can start pitching well and Kopech can come back around because I know he he was hurt against the Rangers earlier in the year, but before that he had electric stuff. If that pitching staff can come around, and they still have Hendricks, they still got a ton of talent offensively. I think that the White Sox have a chance to not only get that wild card slot, but but potentially actually win their division, Rick.
3: Last question for you. Obviously, Atlanta or the Mets, one of those will be a wild card. So you look at who else is going to get in there between San Diego, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. Those three, who do you like?
23: Uh, That's a pretty tough question. I'm going to say the Padres. Despite the fact that Tatis <laughs> was just banned for the rest of this year and, and pretty much half of really half of next year, and by the way, what what that did to his his value, his card value, was just an absolute shame. There's people that spent millions of dollars on on Tatis game worn jersey cards and autograph cards and rookie cards. That are, I mean, when you don't make the Hall of Fame, look at Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, et cetera, et cetera. The, the hobby of your value, card goes down tremendously. But I think the Padres are going to eke this one out. I, I think they've still got enough talent offensively without Tatis. I think that they, they definitely have enough talent at pitcher. Clevenger's p- pitching pretty well. They they go they're very very deep one through five. They obviously have hated the closer now. So I'm going to give I'm going to give the Padres the benefit of the doubt here. But I would not be shocked at all if the Brewers snuck in, considering their pitching staff and, and the players like Roddy Tellez, who's having an extremely great year as a catcher, but I'm not sure they have what it takes offensively. I'm going to go with the Padres in this situation, Rick. Despite the Tatis drama, they definitely have enough talent on, on you know, offensively and within their pitching staff to to make that happen.
3: Yeah, I think it's funny. Jonathan Papelbon said if I was uh, his teammate that he would hit him every day. <laughs> for ruining their chances. All right, it is. I guess they're glad they got Juan Soto now even more. But we've been speaking with J.D. Sharp. Check out him and and not just baseball but all sports uh, all around the world at againstthenumber.com. J.D., thanks for coming on, man. Good stuff.
23: Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. Have a good one.
3: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back, y'all.
16: I uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
7: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to have, finally, trying to get her on for a long time, a big fan of stand-up comedian Sarah Talamash. And uh, she's here to promote her show that she's going to be doing at Helium St. Louis this weekend. It's the Lady Journey podcast with... uh, Katie Hannigan, who's uh, been on this show many times, uh, as uh, well, Sarah, I, I finally got you and, um, it, you know, it, it must be fun to take the pod live like that because you never know what's going to happen with the crowd, right?
21: Oh yeah. I mean, I think this is actually like our first time actually doing this and it's always nerve wracking because I always operate that the worst thing could possibly happen.
3: Well, I really liked uh, Vag with you did with Adrienne Appleucci, and when I was at Gotham in December, she came out, and I thought, "Oh, it's going to get dark," and it did. <laughs> she she didn't
19: disappoint.
21: Yes, I. It's always fun to watch Adrienne because, like, she'll go up, and then there's like ladies in the audience being like, "Love, ladies," and then they hear her first joke, and they're like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> it just goes darker than they expect. And I'm like, yeah, you were too, you jumped the gun too early. You should wait. Um but Adrian's like one of my favorite comics to watch.
3: It's so true because she said, Who here is adopted? And like, and goes, I don't want somebody else's trash. <laughs> 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 Well, let's talk about you. Very interesting journey as a uh, South African to a, a Texan. What was that like going from uh, being a Springbok to Houston?
21: Um, it was an easy transition for me because I was, I, my family moved here when I wasn't even a year old. So wow. it's not like I had to adjust, but I definitely feel like having parents from another country in Texas. Uh, it's a different experience, I think, culturally. I just felt like we felt like outsiders quite a bit, but everybody was that I grew up with was generally really nice.
3: Well, you know, I, and also it's it's weird because for a short time there in the eighties, because of apartheid, they were the bad guys in every movie, right?
21: Uh, yes. I'd always, as soon as like lethal weapon came out, everybody would always say diplomatic immunity to me or make my dad <laughs> try to say it. <laughs> but you're like, um, yeah, we're not in that realm, but, uh, yes, it's, it's very funny. It's always constant. Like, where are you from? That's such a weird accent. And I never noticed it. Cause I just grew up with it. So it never stood out to me, but, all my friends thought my dad was just yelling at them. And I was like, no, he's being nice. He's offering you a ride home.
3: (laughs) And it's not like they would, you guys assimilate. It's not like you had like PW Botan de Klerk pictures in the house, right?
21: No, no, we didn't have anything like that. Um, It's just like they would say words differently and people are like, what? Like, I just remember saying like, like a down comforter would just be called an eider. Like that's how I called it growing up, eider down. And so people would be like, that is so weird. <laughs> so you just learn to adapt and know what words not to say because you're just going to get like people are, they'll point it out.
3: No doubt. And um, I'm a, you know, truth be told, I'm a huge Tuesday. And so I've, I've heard every Tuesday of a story. And so, and I'm I'm not a stalker, but yet I feel like I know everything about your life and what you guys do in Astoria and with Caitlin and Steve and Ron on in there and, and Siobhan, I mean, and then you, you make your own (laughs) apartment, a set in a lot of your videos with the, you know, the smell test during COVID, which I thought was hilarious when you did the handstand and all that. Um, what's it like when, as I said, a non-stalker like me knows everything about you, that you might have a real (laughs) stalker?
21: Well, I have... Uh, come across my mind of being like, we're going to get doxxed. And uh, and I gave them every information that they needed to dox me. So um, I'm ready for when that stalker comes to be like, it's all my fault. I, <laughs> I pretty much gave you a roadmap to where we live. Um, but I just get so lazy that I'm like, I can't find another apartment to shoot something in. So I just do it here and I try to blur out. Our address, but I'm sure somebody could go on Google Maps and figure it out.
3: There's no doubt. By the way, uh, we're speaking with Sarah Tolomash, who's at uh, Helium St. Louis this weekend with Katie Hanning and the Lady Journal podcast. The 4th of July movie, um, which your husband, Joe List, and Louis C.K. wrote, Louis directed it. And uh, I had Joe on during the uh, while he was filming it a couple times to talk about it. But you're in it and you're really good in it, Sarah.
21: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it was a, a really cool experience and I've always wanted, I like acting and, um, it's really hard to get into acting. They don't just give you a job when you show up. So I got the role, the old fashioned way through straight up nepotism.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's how most people make it, right?
21: You no, know, I you get like sometimes you get so self conscious in your mind. You're like, oh, I only got it because my husband. And I'm like, isn't that what all of Hollywood is? So like, <laughs> who cares?
3: Right. Well, you slept your way to the top, but it you were his wife, so right. that's not nefarious. <laughs>
21: No, I highly recommend it. <laughs> Sleep your way to the top as much as you can.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, I, if you want to see that Sarah is a was a standalone success way before Joe List, just watch Voluptuous Boy, her new YouTube, relatively new YouTube special. It's hilarious. One thing I did want to ask you, too, um, you and Katie the other day were talking about Chugi, and it went over my head. What's Chugi?
21: Okay, so Chugi, I believe, got created on TikTok. So if you're not in the TikTok world, um which now that's all I that's where I get all my medical advice is on TikTok. <laughs> I, don't, I need to leave it cuz it's rotting my brain, but chugy came from that term of like you know it's like kind of out of style and then a lot of people still rock it. So basically we're all have a little bit of chewy, so that it can eat realm and and like go into like interior design or fashion like uh, I guess wearing like Ugg boots is considered chewy. but there's some really weird ones like eating lasagna is chewy and I don't understand how that can be out of fashion
3: (laughs) well the other thing I wanted to ask you too is that when you went on the uh, the roast battle uh, against Joe and won it and it, it. What was that like? What was that like uh, on the way back to Queens?
21: Um, well, everyone always, when they ask, they're like, "That must have been really rough for your relationship." And they have no idea that out of all the things in our relationship, that doesn't even come close to like making either one of us upset. And it was actually quite a fun process. We actually we wrote together our jokes so each partner kind of knew what the boundaries were and then we also had friends involved in the joke writing process so um we were there just to grab the money and go home so it, <laughs> it was a joint effort
3: <laughs> so you know when i saw joe at the punchline uh, in june out here in san francisco i was kind of hoping you would feature how often do you feature for him because i know as a you know you headline as well
21: um, well, I was doing it quite a bit, um, but nowadays, like, feature money is awful, and plane flights are very expensive. So, if I'm going on the road with him, I'm actually losing money. Mm. Um, so, I haven't gone out that much. But I, I just went with him to National Zanies, and I like going to those kind of, those kind of rooms. There's certain rooms that I'm just like, yeah, it's not worth it. Like, if we, I don't know, some of them can be quite hard or rough that I'm like I don't need to go and not make any money um but and it's always very enjoyable. I like doing longer sets I like being on the road and I like meeting um I like Joe's fan base is a very good comedic fan base so you can always like work out new material in front of them
3: no doubt. It's Sarah Tolamosh, the African-American Lady Journey, the <laughs> podcast she does with Katie Hannigan at Helium St. Louis. Nikki Glazer, our old friend, is going to drop by as well, the St. Louis native. Check it out this weekend and go to saratcomedy.com I mentioned Voluptuous Boy on YouTube, a free special, which is hilarious. Sarah, if you're ever in San Francisco, come in the studio. As you can tell, I'm a fan.
21: Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to meet it, go that would be the next place that I'd like to at least feature for Joe or headline myself. Is up in Yes, Francisco. come out
3: here and headline, Sarah. Great to have you on.
21: <laughs> All right, thanks so much.
3: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We will come on back with the Hall of Famer, Joey Mullen.
11: Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
0: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 709 4409 That's 800-709-4409.
20: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
7: rick tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey
3: thank you for that welcome back to the show rick tittle with you coast to coast around the world on american forces radio network great to welcome back the stanley cup champion hall of famer joe mullen with us and he's here to talk about uh three ice because his team is going to vegas to go uh try to get the patty cup and win the whole deal joe welcome back to the uh the show i understand that uh the last game, you were uh, you had to watch it on TV, huh?
15: <laughs> yes, thanks for having me here, Rick. Uh, yes, uh, I got caught up with the COVID uh, virus and um, had to miss last week. Uh, so it's uh, the only week I missed so far, and uh, I should be good to go for this weekend. Uh, and looking forward to it.
3: Well, it's pretty cool that the one of the things that Three Eyes does, the best part of hockey, they have something called the Golden Helmet, and uh, you get to uh, wear it kind of like in the, the the Tour de France is whoever's winning right now. And uh, Joe Whitney had it on your team week two. He's got it back on again, huh?
15: He does. He uh, he kind of came from behind right at the end of the season and um, pulled it out. He pulled out the scoring championship uh in the last game with the hat-trick. So uh, uh, very well-deserved. Joe played great for us all year, and uh, we're so happy to have him on the team scoring goals, that's for sure.
3: Well, the uh, you guys are the number one seed, and you'll be taking on the four seed, Team Mullen versus Team Murphy in the all-Irish uh, bracket of the semifinals. <laughs> Trottier and Leclerc will be the French side in <laughs> the other one. But <laughs> what, what's that like with everybody gunning for you? I'm sure you love it.
15: Oh yeah, it's it, it's been great all year. You know, we we took off in the beginning of the season, and uh, we were the, kind of the team to beat all year, and I guess we still are. But uh, you know, it, it comes down to two games. Uh, you got to win two games this weekend for the for the big prize.
3: You know, as a uh, fellow American, when I was growing up there was few and far between really some of the all time greats were American. And and now we're getting a lot more youngsters and you know, the uh, Austin Matthews uh, of the world. And you just look at the draft, how many Americans were taken in the first round. But, but for you, you were kind of a trailblazer. I mean, 500 goals, a thousand points, no American had ever done that. Did you ever have people when you were coming up kind of saying, kind of discounting you almost because you're American?
15: Uh not really, you know, I just kind of, you know, once I got into the league, I, I just tried to go about my business and, and just d- do my thing. And, um, you know, uh, before I knew it, um, uh, we were playing one night, I was playing for St. Louis and Bernie Federico came up, you know, came on the bench and we had just scored. And he said, uh, all right, you tied the record. Let's go. Let's go. Well, uh, break the record. Now I go, what record? He goes, for American players, point record. I go, I didn't even know there was one, you know? So, uh, (laughs) I I think it was like somewhere around 240 something or 250 maybe. I think Tommy Williams had it at the time. And uh, I, I, I didn't even realize there was an American record. I just thought it was just an NHL thing, you know? It's like, who's ever in the HL, they, they have the records and, you know, it didn't matter what nationality you are, <laughs> but, right. uh, it was nice to find out and, you know, a nice thing to have, um, you know, for a while. And, uh, you know, and being the first one to score the 500 goals and the, uh, 1000 points was, I thought pretty cool.
3: No, it's very, very cool. A couple more questions for Joe Mullen of, uh, three ice and the, uh, the Patrick Cup, the Craig Patrick Cup, the Patty um is a very nice looking thing. And you know, with COVID, you know, I interviewed you and every coach in the league as we were getting ready to get this thing going and COVID kind of put a stall on it and and then you just <laughs> you just had COVID. But what's it like finally to like, hey, somebody's actually gonna lift this thing for once?
15: Well, I don't know if anybody's going to lift that thing. That thing is so heavy. <laughs> said they, I think it's going to take the whole team to lift it. <laughs> it, wow. it really is. It's very heavy. Um, so uh, even for two guys, I think it'd be maybe a little too much. And uh, But, um, you know, uh, whoever gets the opportunity is going to enjoy it. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking uh, to do our part and try to win it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure every other team is too. There's some some really good teams out there. The four teams are really good teams and a lot of good players. Uh, I think it should be very exciting hockey, and it has been all year. Uh, so, you know, we'll find out when the sad day comes.
3: Now, Patrick, speaking of Patrick, wearing number seven for you, your son, a lot of times when you play for your dad, you know the dad is extra hard on him because he wants to show no favoritism so whats what's that relationship like
15: well i think I think I kind of learned uh, learned early in that one uh when I tried to coach him when he was about ten or eleven and uh, uh, myself and Dave Hanson, who was one of the Hansen brothers uh, uh-huh. in the movie slapshot uh were coaching our kids on this team and um uh, Yeah, I like you said. You know, you're a dad. You try to be a little tougher on on your son. I, you know, probably tried that on Patrick, and it didn't work. So I had to say, Dave, you take care of him, my son, and I'll take care of your son because it seems a a little bit simpler to just do that. Do it that way.
3: Well, the other thing is too, when you think about, you know, as I say, when it's just uh, three guys, there, there's really no depth. You don't have endless lines coming in, coming in, coming in. It's, it's really, uh, it's hard, especially if somebody gets, it's banged up. I mean, you talk about shorthanded, right? Uh,
15: yeah. Uh, you know, uh, luckily we haven't been shorthanded at all. You know, we, uh, we've been very healthy this year and, uh, you know, we just got to kind of, you know, keep, keep our guys running through the system, you know, they, they, they make their own changes when, when they're tired, they come off and, you know, (laughs) we're trying to keep keep all the shifts short because it's a lot harder than it sounds. You know, it's, it's it's the eight minute running time periods, but when you're going every other shift, you're you're only going to be out there about sometimes 25, 30 seconds.
3: Well, when I, when I look at the standings and Grant Fuhr's team only scored 30 goals, you guys were one short, of a hundred, you're a plus thirty eight on the year. Why was it that you know of course brilliant coaching, but why else was <laughs> it that, that you guys were so easy to put the biscuit in the basket
15: uh well uh we 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 controlled the puck pretty good when we have it, and uh you know we we got some really good goal scorers on our team, uh pretty much all six guys are pretty good with the puck around the net, you know, and uh our goalie has been extremely good all year long.
3: When you think about your career and you think about, you know, the team that you most identify with, would it be Calgary? What would be the one?
15: Oh, it's so hard to say, you know, you know sometimes I feel like it's St. Louis because that's where I got started. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I loved every place I've been. Um, Calgary was a big part of my uh my career, I think probably the best thing that ever happened to me is to get traded to Calgary because, um, you know, we, we, we had such a good team up there and then, um, you know, I got traded to Pittsburgh and that was a great move for, for, uh, me and the family, uh, to go to Pittsburgh, a little bit closer to home. And, um, you know, we had a great team there. So, um, you know, it's really hard to pick one over the other. Um, um, every place, I felt like you know we were a family. You know, it was like every team was one big family, and that's that's the way they <clears throat>
10: you know wanted
15: it in most most uh, organizations. But you know, to really be able to feel it in, in three different organizations was was pretty cool.
3: And then too, when you think about you know you're at the All Star game and you you look over there's Brian i mean what what's it like being sort of like in a, one of those uh hockey royalty type families like that
15: oh it was it was great you know to see brian in an all saw game and myself together uh playing in the same one so that 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 was uh cool and then uh <clears throat> just to be on the ice against them in in regular season games uh, to be lined up next to him, you know, we just kind of look at each other and laugh, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, Brian was a good player and had a good career, and um, you know, I just tried to do my thing, and we, we enjoyed it so much. We just, <clears throat> we just never made a big deal about it. We just, like just try to play and continue to play as long as we could.
3: You know, I think about Team USA and those Canada Cup. Like people who don't know, like in the eighties the Canada Cup was a was a huge thing. What what was it like? I mean, that was uh, those were grueling tournaments.
15: Oh, they 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 were grueling tournaments. Uh you know, of course Canada had great teams, the Russians had great teams, uh Sweden had great teams, US, uh you know, it seemed like everybody did Czechoslovakia and uh they they were such great tournaments. The hockey was outstanding, uh I mean, you really had to be ready for uh, that kind of uh, top speed coming at you all the time. I mean, you, know, you probably had almost every all-star in every league going, you know. And um, it was just uh, tremendous hockey to be, and, and to be part of a tournament like that was uh, uh, one of the best things I did.
3: By the way, when I was in uh, New York in December, I – I, uh, went and saw a football game with a friend in, uh, Hell's Kitchen, which is a, a pleasant <laughs> neighborhood. When you were growing up in Hell, <laughs> when you were growing up in Hell's Kitchen, was it, was it pleasant?
15: Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, most of the time it was, you know, I, okay. you
2: know, <clears throat>
15: I was busy playing sports in the schoolyard across the street. So, um, I probably didn't have a clue of half the things going on around me in the neighborhood. So, um, and I was better off not knowing, you know, just right. kind of, like I said, uh, my, my family, uh, my mom always said she'd spend the last time on sporting goods equipment because it kept us out of trouble, you know? And, um uh, you know, and that's what we did. We played, we played all day in the schoolyard.
3: There he is. One of the greatest, Players of all time, pride of Boston College, maybe the greatest undrafted player in the history of the NHL. It's Joe Mullen. Make sure to check out Three Ice. This is going to be on CBS Sports, too, which is really cool. It's the race for the Patty Cup. And Team Mullen, the number one seed. Joe, thanks for coming on, and best of luck with the uh, Patty Cup.
15: Uh, thanks, Rick.
3: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Patty Cup, Patty Cup, Bakers. Man, we're going to come on back on Sports Byline. Oh, <laughs>
0: That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details. Uh,
11: th- playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
7: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to fat boy.
3: Thank you for that. Closing out this show, uh, quoting an interview from Bubba, the love sponge, which by the way, that guy is a radio host who changed that to his legal name. It's actually, I was Ricky, the love sponge, and I changed it legally to Rick Tittle, but we know that Brett Favre was an iron man. He played in 297 straight games. I think that record will stand forever, especially for a quarterback, but he said, the thing about concussions is we still don't know a lot about them. If you had asked me this 10 years ago, how many concussions I had, I would have said three. The reason I would have said three, I thought concussions was where you got knocked out, where you blacked out for a period of time, where you don't know where you are, memory loss, dizzy, a boxer gets knocked and tries to get up, his legs are rubber, that's a concussion. What we now know is concussions happen all the time. You get tackled and your head hits the turf. You see flashes of light or ringing in your ears, but you're able to play. Based on that, thousands had to be because every time my head hit the turf, there was ringing or stars going, flashbulbs, but I was able to play. So that meant that he averaged 50 concussions per year. That's something that Bill Romanowski told me one time. I said, how many concussions you had? He's like, officially, thanks, but... Probably a couple hundred. All, all I know is that putting on a football helmet ain't comfortable. Putting it on, <laughs> it doesn't feel good. It really doesn't. But just from playing Division II football, every single time I went to practice, I had a splitting headache by the end. That doesn't mean I had a concussion, but your brain is getting jostled. I wouldn't be surprised if Brett Farr was actually right When that sounds like a huge exaggeration. All right, uh, very interesting show. When is it not? We'll do it again tomorrow at 9 a.m. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Rick Tittle, and we'll see you next time on Titillating Sports.
4: brain damage <laughs> <laughs> great way to end the show